A 2021 national survey of full-time workers found that nearly 90% reported experiencing burnout over the past year. So nine out of 10 people around you are experiencing either early warning signs of burnout, they're in full-blown burnout, or they might just be feeling funky and off and they're on the way there, but they don't realize it yet. And I think one thing that's been really challenging with, with the levels of burnout people are feeling is when you're just fighting to survive every day, you don't have the capacity within you to pour that into other people. Hi, you're listening to the Optimize Your Team podcast. Dr. Jessica Grossmeyer is a worksite wellness thought leader with more than 25 years of experience advancing individual and population health. Her research is focused on identifying best practice approaches to workplace wellness that are associated with well-being and business outcomes. Today, we're talking about Jessica's soon-to-be-published book, Reimagining Workplace Wellbeing. Jessica shares with us some practical insights on what we can do as leaders to help tend to the overall well-being of the people we lead, something so relevant to the challenging environment that we all find ourselves in. Jessica, thanks so much for joining us. So glad to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I love starting out these conversations with just a generic question. And so my, my opening question is always, how would you describe your leadership style? In a few words, collaborative and relational. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's, that's really become a mantra I've adopted because I realized early in my career, I'm not good at everything. And so it's necessary to surround myself with people that have strengths where I have limitations and to get comfortable with the fact that I might be around people who are more brilliant than I am and to lean into that discomfort and be willing to ask the uncomfortable questions such as, I don't know what that means, or could you say more? <laughs> Help me understand. So, yeah, so I find collaboration to be the way I lead because I think we lead better when we understand that leadership is about mobilizing a team. Love that. Yeah, awesome. That really resonates uh, mm. very much. Well, give our listeners a little bit of background. We're going to dive into some of the topics that you've researched and spend a lot of time on. And in some ways, it's a different conversation to some of the, the conversations we've had on the podcast that are more focused on people that are leading teams or growing businesses. And you've been studying something that I think is very timely and relevant. And so really excited to get to, to have this conversation together. But I think it might be helpful to give our listeners a little bit of context to, to your background and what you're currently working on. Yeah, thank you for that. So my focus for the last 25 plus years has been workplace well-being. And that's something that's on a lot of leaders' minds lately mm -hmm. because they're seeing the business implications of, of employee well-being gone amok. You know, people aren't thriving. Even leaders with the most resources are not finding themselves to be as, as well and as thriving as they would like to be. So it's become a business issue and it's become a leadership issue. Leaders at all levels, anyone who has direct responsibility for people, whether that's a formal or informal role, needs to be thinking about not just the well-being of their people and how that translates into business performance and profitability, but also their own well-being as leaders. Because you can't bring your best self to your leadership role if you're not thriving. 
Yeah, very, very true. And I think we've all been painfully aware of that and, and aware that maybe this, you can only sprint for so long, uh, you know, before things start to things start to give in. And so we'll definitely come to that. Now, tell us a little bit about the the book that you're working on. And I have a few questions specifically related to to that since I was able to get an outline and and you and I had a, a previous conversation about it. But give us a little bit of background. What what led to this book? Tell us a little bit about who the book is for uh, and, and, and when it's coming out. Yeah, thank you. So the book is for anyone who has responsibility for the health and well-being of people. So that could be a lot of roles. I think it goes all the way up to the CEO level because ultimately you are the steward, the steward of all of the people that in some way are influenced by your leadership. And so that translates into policies, practices, procedures, operational guidelines, vision, mission, all the things that a CEO needs to care about, but also translates into anybody who leads teams formally or informally. And so the book is about helping anybody in that role to understand what really matters when it comes to employee health and well-being. And it's about getting to the heart and soul of well-being, which is, for me, about getting to what really matters to the employee first. Mm-hmm. And, and orienting your entire approach to well-being and, and ultimately to business profitability, honestly, around what matters to that individual person. Let's get people-centric. Um, there's a book I've been reading recently by Uber Jolie called The Heart of Business. Mm-hmm. And he was the person charged with the turnaround at Best Buy. So he was brought in with no responsibility for retail or, or no, no past experience with retail, but a lot of experience in turnarounds. Mm-hmm. So they brought him in and he was able to translate some ideas he'd been formulating about the kind of leader he wanted to be in that position into, I really believe that if you lead with a people-centric strategy and make every decision, every strategy um, around what is going to help people, that that is actually going to translate into profitability, but you have to focus on people. It's not, oh, at the same time, we're going to balance it. It's about, no, focus on the people. The people will take care of the profits if you focus on the people. And so my book is really about how do we understand how to get what matters for two employees? And there's a great example that he uses in his book where in his first few weeks of leadership, he did a listening tour in the field because he's like, I don't have retail experience. Let's understand what the people in the trenches know about what's working, what's not working. And he came across this bright spot on the org performance chart. And he said, well, what's going on here? This seems this seems like a really a fascinating group. What's going on here? Turns out the manager oriented his entire approach to leading people around understanding what mattered to them. And it was around, what do you dream of? I mean, we're talking about things that really matter. What do you dream of? And then how can I, as a manager, support you in accomplishing your dream? And so if it's the frontline employee whose dream is to be financially independent and move out of her parents' house, she needs to get to a level of responsibility and professional growth so that she could get to a position that gave her the salary that allowed her to move out of her parents' house and to gain financial freedom. If it's somebody whose dream is to be the first person in their family to ever go to college or to get an advanced degree, okay, how do I leverage tuition assistance? How do I leverage this this ability and this desire to want to grow and develop and learn 
how do I help that person do that as part of their job, but using work-related resources to help them accomplish that dream? Or if it's just one more example, um, somebody who wants to be the best parent, how can we design flexibility into their job so that they can show up consistently for their son's soccer games? You know, that's how, that's what, when, when it really comes, push comes to shove, you have to understand what's important to people at an individual level, which is why the managerial and supervisory role is so important in leadership, because they have, they have the ability, in fact, the direct responsibility to understand what matters to people. And so my book is about three specific things when it comes to understanding what matters to employees and translating that into an employee well-being strategy. It's around understanding purpose and meaning, and not just the purpose and meaning of the organization. Purpose-driven organizations are not a new idea. It's about how do we help understand the individual's purpose and help them to understand their purpose? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, they, they understand that there's this lack of fulfillment. They, lack, they understand that there's this, this void within them, but they don't really understand how do I translate that into a directional arrow for my life? So how do we help them discover that for themselves and then help them to understand how we can help you with that in your work, how your job can help you get there? It's almost like better integrating those two pieces of of our lives that we often kind of separate, right? I've got my personal life here and then my work life, but how do do they really, that's something that I think really happened during the last couple of years and COVID, our lives were just smashed together, uh, every part of them. Absolutely. People are asking themselves, why am I working so hard? What's the meaning of all this? What is it all for? And they didn't have good answers to those questions. And so they thought, well, I'm going to quit my job and figure out the answers because my job isn't allowing me the space and the resources to think about the answers to those questions for myself. How do we embed that into the regular performance discussion, the professional growth discussion, coaching? I mean, there's so many different kinds of coaching we offer in the workplace, whether it's professional or well-being, lots of coaching, but we can start to embed these questions into those areas. Welcome the discussion. The second area that I talk about in my book is around connection and belonging. And everybody's been talking about connection and belonging, right? Like, how do we get that? How do we bring that into the workplace? And there are a lot of ideas about how to do that. And there um, is a lot of research and some really great examples of how employers are helping employees to feel not just like, yeah, I've got a tribe at work, but a tribe that cares about me, people who I actually consider to be friends, um, people who will take the time to say, hey, something just doesn't seem right. Are you okay? And really mean it. Um, It's about how do you get to that level of conversation in whatever leadership role or whatever peer level role you you are in. And there are ways to design that into the workplace experience. So I talk about that. And the third one is around the things that bring us joy and wonder and excitement. You know, when we think about the concept of flow in our work and um, I call it transcendence, how do we connect with something bigger than ourselves? Whether that is um, a source of inspiration, an ideal, it could be nature, it could be a tribe or a group of people. Um, there are a lot of things that connect us to something bigger than our, ourselves and get us out of our self-absorbed state. And creating a culture of transcendence is about that. So those are the three ideas I talk about in my book that I think we've been nibbling around the edges of it this mm-hmm. last two years. But let's put some evidence-based strategies underneath this general knowing, this general intuition that this is what we need to do. And talk about how to embed it and integrate it into your employee well-being strategy. 
Yeah, lo- love it. Well, let's. I would love to dive into a, a couple of specific areas there, but maybe we should back up a little bit and and maybe just define well being for us. You know, you, you've been researching this for a long time. I may have certain uh, assumptions about what that means uh, to me, but how, how do you think about well being? When what, what all does that encompass? Uh, as we, if we want to even define that phrase or that term. Wow. I don't, I don't hold to a spe- one specific definition, but I do hold to this, that whatever approach you're taking to well-being, it has to be holistic. Realizing that, you know, a lot of, a lot of employers they'll have with their well-being initiatives, they'll have these well-being wheels or wellness wheels. And they'll say, oh, we tackle physical and mental and social and career and all these dimensions of well-being. It, it's about understanding that if I'm helping you with your physical well-being, it actually is also touching on your mental, your emotional, your professional, and by the way, your spiritual well-being at the same time. All of these dimensions, we're systems. We operate as systems. So whatever approach you take to well-being, you have to understand that you're operating with an organism, a system. I mean, all these things are interconnected. And so to, to try to disaggregate those things into these dimensions, we're talking about mental health today. Like, no, you're not. You're talking about a system. You're talking about entities. So I think that's probably one of the grounding pieces around well-being is this idea of, of dealing with a whole living organism and treating it with the complexity and the dignity that that understanding requires. Yeah, in so many ways, we, we have such an industrial um, almost perspective, you know, to, to, to people. And, and it's almost like, the shift from this industrial age to the knowledge age. Yes, we want people's knowledge, and and we're we're sort of struggling to continue to to help leaders know how to really work with the whole person, right? Not just their work persona or their role or their function, um, but we're all humans that are much more complex. There's much more to that, and and so it's yeah, it's such a it, it's it's a it's complex because, as you said, we're, we're complex people. Um, and so maybe my next question is, even though this is sort of in the, at least in the forefront of our thinking, you know, hey, we know people are stressed. We're feeling stressed. We know we've all been under under pressure. The first chapter of your book is titled Wake Up Call uh, for, for, for Employers. And so maybe I, I, I thought maybe you could highlight some of the, some of the areas that maybe there is the most disconnect. Uh, you know, between leaders, between quote unquote employers and and their people when it comes to well-being. What do we often miss or, or maybe underemphasize? I think there there are two big areas that really two big trends that really captured my attention as I was writing this book or thinking about even writing it. And that was um, the the voluntary quit rate. You know, in November of last year alone, so we're a few months out from that now, four and a half million U.S. workers voluntarily left their jobs. Four and a half million. It's the highest voluntary quit rate ever recorded by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics since they started to record it. And that raised a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. So that was one. The the second is burnout, because those who remained at work... (laughs) Are, are, they're there holding the bag and people aren't coming back to work. So you've got a shortage of skilled talent. And a 2021 national survey of full-time workers found that nearly 90% reported experiencing burnout over the past year. 
90%. So nine out of 10 people around you are experiencing either early warning signs of burnout, they're in full-blown burnout, or they might just be feeling funky and off and they're on the way there, but they don't realize it yet, right? Mm. And so, of course, everybody's talking about how do we meet this moment? And there are a lot of people who do people work, (laughs) you know, people managers. And and so I don't want to um, diminish any of the great suggestions that are out there, because the, the truth is these are tough challenges and we need all of it, right? We need all of what's being offered. The thing you asked about is what do we think is missing? And, you know, I keep going back to that question of, are we, are we really fundamentally understanding the over the state of overwhelm people are feeling where their typical tricks to manage, I'm thinking about high performers that I know who voluntarily left their jobs and why I'm hearing they left their jobs. And they said, I just didn't feel like the organization was connected to what I was about. They don't, the organization didn't care about what meant the most to me. And I'm not really sure how I pursue that, but I knew it wasn't here. Um, and I feel like if the organizations have re- had really taken this more proactive approach, There are some organizations that have had mechanisms in place to help employees answer these tough questions for themselves. And I'm talking about for decades. So it's not like everybody's missing this. There are employers that have been out there for decades helping people to understand the answers to those questions for themselves so that when they experience this moment that we're all in, which is challenging for everybody at some level, that they can have the ready answers for, wait, wait, this is what's important to me. How do I reconnect with that? Um, or, or this is, this is, I, I already have a recalibration system. I know what my systems are. I know what my, my non-negotiable essentials are for me being my best self. How do I get back in touch with that and create boundaries so that I can get back in touch with that? So I think the people who, who, I don't want to say thriving. I don't know that anybody's been thriving these past two years, but the people who have, who have been able to work their way through this muck that we've all been in, um, I think that they've had those resources available to them and we need more employers to be bringing those to employees. And so that's why I talk about how do we help people connect with individual purpose to really get to genuine level of relationships and feel like they have a place to belong at work and to feel like work can be part of the fabric of their lives that brings joy and meaning and wholeness to their lives. That's the piece that we're not talking about. We're throwing more pay. We're talking about more benefits and more flexibility which is great. Everybody needs these things, but that's the piece that's missing in my mind. Mm. Well, let's let's dig into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are senior executives, team leaders, maybe in the C-suite, maybe they run a division. They certainly lead and influence people. Uh, what are what are some practical things? Maybe the top three things that that we can do. Maybe they're not programmatic that we can initiate through the company, right? But what can I do as a leader of my team uh, to really push push this conversation forward or or, or maybe more deeply even engage uh, the the people that that I lead? Yeah. So we'll talk about this from the point of view of the three elements that I've been talking about. So, So meaning and purpose, you know, I think no matter what kind of conversation you're in, there is an opportunity to get to know people on a more personal level to figure out what matters to them. And, you know, now we're in these wonderful digital environments, right? A lot of us, not everybody. 
Um, but you might see things like a picture on a phone. I see a picture on your desk. I can't see it because you, you've got like a blur mode or something, but, but the pictures behind them, you can see, um, you know, what, you know, people have a pin because their kids in a club and they've got a booster button on. Um, there are ways for us to engage in these conversations, but it requires attention and it requires intention. And it's all about, let's get curious about each other in a way that invites the conversations about what matters. Because until we were able to connect with people on that personal level, we can't get to the deeper level stuff that helps us to understand what do you care about? And how can I be an activator, a supporter, an encourager, a champion of what you care about? I love that. And I think one thing that's been really challenging with, with the levels of burnout people are feeling is when you're just fighting to survive every day, you don't have the capacity within you to pour that into other people. And so all of this starts with understanding these questions for yourself. And so if you yourself don't understand what matters, hmm. what matters to me today and how am I going to try to fire on that every day? And how am I going to try to organize and architect my life in terms of what I do at work, what I accept or don't accept responsibility for at work and in life, the boundaries I create around myself so that I can point my most essential resources at what matters most to me and try to get those things aligned. You have to understand it for yourself. You've got to be investing in your own well-being so that you can pour that into other people. Because mm, until- Put that oxygen mask on, your, on yourself first, absolutely, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so then when you have that well of resources, mm. and I, I've experienced quite a few people in um, my area in Silicon Valley, and they're like, we have so much when we look around in the world and we see all the suffering that's existing. And they're like, how do we help? How do we help? How do we help? They wanted to help. Um, and it, it, you have to, there, there's this idea of, I want to pour some of my, my, my excess into others. And so we have to help employees to have that. So as a, as a leader of people, as a peer, it's that intention to how do we serve others? Um, with the connection and belonging, it's that authenticity, it's the vulnerability. And that starts by role modeling. And so if you're a leader or an influencer of people in formal or informal ways, your ability to let down your guard, to take the mask off and say, this is what I care about. This is what's important to me. This is what breaks my heart today. And maybe you don't use that language, but, but we have to have those levels of conversations. And it starts by, I need to bring down my barriers so that you feel like you're in a safe place to be vulnerable with me. And we weave this together in individual interactions with others, in team interactions, and it can start with something, you know, when I was with a nonprofit organization prior to starting to write this book, it was something as simple as quick moment to all connect. Everybody run to your kitchen and grab your favorite kitchen gadget. We're going to do a show and tell and figure out why this is your favorite kitchen gadget. I learned things about my coworkers I never knew. Hmm. And um, I figured out who's vegan, for example. <laughs> you know, now we have all sorts of new ways to connect. It starts with these little things that give you, you know, is peeling away the onion to go deeper. And so it's, it's how do we get to that level of authenticity so that people feel safe with one another? And that's a slow build. That doesn't happen overnight, but we can accelerate it by, by being intentional about it and by role modeling it for people around us. The third thing, a sense of connection to something larger than themselves. You know, I think organizations have been getting better at this. You know, they're creating volunteer programs. They're, they're allowing people to volunteer on paid work time. These are fantastic 
ways to help employees connect with something larger than themselves. But it can also be an idea or an ideal at the workplace. It can be starting with the team level. Let's all as a team decide on what's bigger than ourselves. How can we as a team make the world a better place? Like, let's get outside of this organization and think about how do we as work as a team to make the world a better place? And that can be aligned to the work that they're doing. And there are um, great facilitators and coaches that work with teams that can help them get to that. But you have to be asking the right questions. Yeah. And, and so I think that there's, and you know, when I think about what, what jazzes us up. So when, when you share the story at the end of the day with a family member or a friend, it's whatever things that sparked your curiosity, what sparked joy for you, what gave you a sense of just an epiphany. Those are, it all comes down to the interactions with the people around you. And so how do we inspire, encourage one another? And the organization can help us to do that. And I think it starts with, again, us wanting to bring that in and ask ourselves, how can I be an inspiration to others today? How can I support others today? I have a purpose statement that I created for myself because I believe in doing my own work. (laughs) I'm not going to tell everyone to do this and not do the work. And so my life purpose is to love well, live generously and serve others. Every day I start with a seven minute reflection that includes understanding for myself, what, how will I bring intentionality into what I already know is on my calendar today? Who will I serve today? How can I love better in my relationships with others? And sometimes that's, I will be a good listener and let go of my agenda during this conversation. I will ask better questions. Um, I will let go of um, all the things that I feel like I need to impart and not tell advice. I will create space and hold space for whatever they want to reveal to me. These are really simple things, but they can have profound impacts on the way we relate to one another and how we feel at the end of the day about who we showed up as. No, I I love that. And, you know, I was just thinking as you were sharing those very practical, difficult, but, but, you know, maybe simple steps that, that, that we can take as leaders that this really ties into. So just like you said, wellness is so much more than just, you know, physical or mental or whatever, these buckets that we try to, to try to put this into, but a lot of these actions and activities really bleed into diversity and inclusiveness and all the things that we're, that we're all talking about, right? These are things that we've got to be able to, to have the courage to take the first step as leaders to, to be willing to get to really know people and really care about people, um, which just seems to be the sort of core, uh, uh, one of our first guests on the show, uh, you know, Hi Skipson, I remember talking to him about diversity and, and he said, you know, people will invite me to talk about diversity inclusion. He goes, oh, you mean, you mean good leadership? You know, do you mean you want to talk about just how to be a good leader? Uh, you know, and, and, and I think his point was, you know, some of this stuff isn't rocket science, but it, it's hard to do because we're so used to kind of closing ourselves off or, or projecting a certain image or not bringing our full selves, uh, you know, to, to these different environments and walling that off. And it takes courage and it takes vulnerability uh, mm-hmm. as, as you just outlined. Thank you for this is super helpful, not necessarily easy to do, but a, a, a really great reminder. Um, I, I thought, you know, the other area that might be helpful, you mentioned 90% of people, I hadn't heard that before, struggling with, with burnout. What are some telltale or warning signs that 
either tell us, you know, about ourselves, you know, maybe I'm in denial, um, or, or people that we're leading. How do we know that we're close to, to burnout? It sounds like such a, such a negative thing, right? And then you, you hear 90%, like, wow, that's a lot. So what is yeah. that? What are some of the, the ways that we know, hey, we, we got to do something here because, you know, this, this isn't just feeling tired or this isn't just feeling a little less motivated maybe. And those are just the two thoughts that came to my mind, you know, that usually signals to me if I'm feeling less energetic, um, if I'm feeling less motivated, that's usually a signal that there's something's off. Right, right. Now, I am not an expert in burnout. Um, I would highly recommend anybody who really wants to dig into burnout to check out Jennifer Moss's book. Came out, I believe, either this year or last year. Came out late last year. It's called The Burnout Epidemic, I believe. And that is that is a fabulous book. But I'll, I'll have a chance to meet her next month. I'm very excited to meet her and to learn more about what she has to say about burnout. Um, but, you know, I think for ourselves, let's start there. For ourselves, we need to be self-aware. And I think a lot of people don't build mechanisms into their lives that help them to check in with themselves. You know, one of the things I do, so I have a morning journal exercise where I just take a few minutes to ground myself and how do I want to show up today? But then at the end of the day, I take another maybe 15 minutes and I reflect on how did I show up today? Did my intention match the execution? And I think about, about those opportunities, those, those tiny, little tiny missed opportunities that I had when maybe I greeted somebody and it wasn't, it wasn't the most positive or warm or loving or generous self. You know, I think back to my mission. Did I love well? Did I live generously? Did I serve others today? And how did I fail to do that? It's not about beating myself up. But it's understanding that when, when, when there's a mismatch between intention and execution, I need to pay attention to why that might be. And usually it doesn't, it's, it's not too hard. I, I, I put too many calls on my calendar today. I didn't get out for my 30 minute mindful walk that I do every day. How did I not take care of myself so that I didn't have that outpouring? of who I wanted to be. But if we've never had the conversation with ourselves to decide, this is what I care about. This is what's important to me. This is how I want to show up in the world. If you don't know those things for yourself, you can't have that conversation with yourself about how you're doing. And, you know, Jim Lair talks about this in his recent book, um, where he talks about leading with character and character strengths. And I talk about this, this period in my work life, when I was in a, a, a leadership role, it was a director level role. So I had people below me, people above me, and I was not showing up as my best self. I was burnt out. I was disconnected. I was disengaged. I was cynical, like all the things. right? <laughs> and I look around me now and I'm like, oh, this looks familiar. I can relate to this. And I think when I think back to that, I was experiencing burnout and had I known what I know now, what I would have understood is I was too focused on outcomes. What is it I need to accomplish? And as a, a new director or new VP in a role, you got to prove yourself, right? I'm going to meet those KPIs. I'm going to perform, right? Mm -hmm. I got all these people that I'm responsible for getting, getting us over the finish line. I was so focused on what I needed to accomplish. I was less focused on how we got there. I was less focused on how, you know, I can get us there, but how, how do I focus on 
and getting us there in a way that is true and genuine to who I feel I am. And I didn't understand that about myself, how I, I didn't, I didn't have the conversation with myself about how do I want to show up? How do I want to lead? So if, if you're a leader and you've been put in a position because you're extremely good at what you do, which is by the way, most leaders, they're, they're there for a reason. They may not have ever had decent leadership training right? That allows them to get in touch with, you have to have these conversations about what kind of leader do you want to be? How do you want to show up in the world? How do you want people to remember 20 years from now about your leadership? And when I look back and ask myself those questions, I can tell you, I am disappointed in the leader I was. Did I have a ton of accomplishments? Absolutely. Did I always meet my goals and objectives? Most of the time. But was I proud of of the person I showed up to be? Not a lot of the time. And so I think we have to have the conversation with ourselves, one, and then we have to be intentional about noticing it in other people and understanding how do you want to show up? What's important to you? Yeah, there are business objectives, right? There are professional goals we all have, but asking the question about character, it's not just about ambition and achievement orientation. It's about, it's about how we show up in the world and being able to ask those questions you know, I had a, a, a performance review that I talk about in my book because I actually do role model vulnerability in this book. And I, I don't show you my best self. I show you mm-hmm. my most vulnerable selves and when I failed and why I think it was. And one of them was a really bad performance review that I had, which started with, you're doing great in meeting all these goals, but <laughs> you're not a fun person to be around. You know, you walk all over people, you're bossy. Um, you impose all of your ideas on people. And um, he said, you know, we need to work on how you execute and how you get there and how you build relationships at work because you're alienating your team members. And that's when I first realized, wow, I have some work to do on, on how I, what my, what my operating principles are <laughs> as a human. <laughs> no, that's really powerful. And it, it definitely resonates uh, with 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 me and, and even in, in the work that we do both internally inside our company, but with with organizations is helping people really understand what it actually feels like to be around them. And then having that conversation with yourself individually, but also with your team. How do we want to treat each other? What what kind of environment do we want to create? Uh, so it definitely resonates and it's a it's, it's a powerful process. And I appreciate you sharing uh, that vulnerability with us uh, in your personal example and, uh, and, and, and in the book as well. Uh, well, let me switch over here to my rapid fire question. So I like to close conversations um, with, with just some quick, uh, quick response questions here. So a favorite day of the week. Saturday. Saturday. I love it. That's one of my favorite days too. Texting or talking? I prefer scheduled conversations, but text ad hoc. So a little bit of both. Yeah. Favorite productivity hack for leaders? Morning reflections on essential priorities. Favorite phone app? My Abide Meditation app. (laughs) Most impactful book you've read? You've mentioned several. Um, The Heart of Business by Uber Jolie is probably my favorite story right now because it was so inspiring. I'm actually looking forward to getting that. Very inspiring to hear Turnaround CEO. In fact, I have an episode that just came out of our show uh, with the Turnaround CEO uh, with the same philosophy where it's someone that cares about people and, and puts people first, not typically what you associate with a turnaround uh, situation. So thank you for that recommendation. Best advice you've ever been given? My mom wrote this to me on my wedding day. Don't go to bed angry. 
Mm. Love it. Words of wisdom from from mom. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for for your time. Uh, I, it, what you shared has resonated deeply with me, and I love those three almost pillars: purpose and meaning, connection and belonging, and connecting to something greater, higher purpose. Very tangible uh, actions around those that you gave us. I really appreciate uh, you sharing with us. And and is your book coming out pretty soon? It'll be mid May. Mid-May. Okay, fantastic. We look, look forward to it. Um, and, and thanks again for your time. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Optimize Your Team podcast, head over to our website, teamalytics.com to find out how we can help leaders like you grow your team. Or if you have someone that you'd like to nominate as a guest, send me an email at podcast at teamalytics.com.